Welcome back to The Peace Production, a podcast by the Organisation for World Peace, where we look at the biggest challenges currently facing human security. I'm your host, Matt Adamson. On this week's episode, we take a look at Bolivia and consider whether the resignation of the country's long-time president, Evo Morales, can bring an end to protests back home, or whether it's simply the beginning of a new chapter in what is an ongoing saga of unrest. Joining me to examine this situation is social media correspondent Nick Anthony. Hello, Nick. Hey, mate. How are you? Good, good. Nick, why don't you give us a run-through of this week's events in Bolivia? Oh, wow. So much has happened. Um, so uh, Bolivia's president, Evo Morales, resigned last Sunday um, after a disputed election where he was seeking a fourth term. And there's been a lot of um, uh, issues regarding whether that was constitutional or not. I believe that went uh, to a plebiscite that was actually defeated by a majority, but a constitutional court ruled it um, uh, a violation of uh, Morales's individual human rights, I think was the uh, determination. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And so he ran for a fourth term and um, while this election was going on to seek the fourth term, there was issues regarding um, you know, allegations of fraud and, and all the rest, because I believe uh, this kind of counting website went down um, seemingly suspiciously. And when it um, popped back up again, he had jumped in the polls. Uh, there's argument to whether that jump is, um, you know, either anomalous or, you know, follows a general trend of um, voting patterns. Um, kind of speculative at this point. Um, so Morales uh, was forced to resign. Well, I suppose he was asked to resign by Bolivian military. Um, although I'm sure that was more of a uh, veiled threat than anything else. Um, and so he's in Mexico currently. Um, and uh, now they are looking to restore some semblance of order in the country um, and I think the interim government leader Janine Inez has kind of proclaimed herself as, as such um, and the idea is to hold an election in 90 days um, to cement that constitutionally uh, but we'll kind of see how that plays out there's kind of doubt about whether it will unfold as such yeah, just on the topic of that um, election and how the constitution kind of mandates that needs to be held within 90 days, how, how likely do you think that's going to be when the, um, the Socialist Party, which holds a two-third majority in, in both houses of the Bolivian government, um, boycotted the swearing-in of Janine Inez? Yeah, look, I'm not particularly optimistic about that. Um, they're really, it's kind of a wicked problem there at this point where um, no side is willing to budge on a given issue and um, the power dynamics are such that things just seem to be stuck in the mud politically. Um, so I'm really hoping that it doesn't kind of follow a general trend of the military stepping in and establishing itself as a prime mover politically. Um, if it already hasn't done that. Um, but 
it's it's difficult unless there's a kind of good faith um, dialectic and negotiating process that happens between the majority socialist party and this prospecting um, uh, new government. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with that because we've seen these protests really continue um, throughout this week despite the change in government and Morales is now in exile in, in Mexico, I believe. Um, mm. And so you, you really are seeing his supporters take to the streets now and his supporters really are the majority of, of Bolivia, it seems. And, you know, the Socialist Party still has that two-third majority in, in both houses. Um, just yep. a bit of context for our listeners around Morales as a leader. So if we look at the, the um, historical context there, so he came to power in 2005. He's one of the longest-serving contemporary leaders in South America. He kind of came to power in this backdrop of, of a broader trend in Latin America where we see this, what's been termed a pink tide of, of socialism amongst these Latin American countries where these um, left-leaning uh, leaders come to power. Um, Morales' 14 years in office have been reflected upon quite favourably by um, many commentators. Um, there's been quite quite sharp improvements in the economic condition in Bolivia during his time in office. But what really has come to bite him, he has, he has a couple of times now has sought to um, flout the constitution by seeking the third, third and fourth terms. Um, you mentioned earlier that the um, plebiscite referendum that they held um, a while back they voted against him having a third or fourth term, sorry, and that was appealed to constitutional court, which we saw was really stacked up with um, people that he had appointed and his sympathisers, and they made that ruling along the human rights um, argument. And now that he's out, many of his supporters are calling his ousting what is really a right-wing coup. And that concept to me is really quite... Um, quite interesting because I don't know now why don't you I guess compare the differences between Morales and his successor Anais who's really from the um, conservative minority in the um, the parliament well yeah I mean Morales was uh, Bolivia's first indigenous president if I'm not mistaken um, and he has you know quite still very powerful base of supporters and if if anything it seems perhaps the majority um and but he's kind of fallen on the wrong side of um the military establishment in that country um i think that it's a little disingenuous not to call it a coup i mean it doesn't have i mean you uh, or me may disagree or rather agree that um his sort of disinterest in following constitutional norms and pursuing a fourth term was a bad move. But it seems like when a mili uh, military establishment asks you to step down, it's more of a implicit uh, threat about what the consequences are of not doing so. Um, yeah, Janine Inez um, has uh, done is, I think, managed to secure herself at least using the police and uh, the military to attempt to establish law and order um, on the streets. See that as um, 
particularly manifesting very well, but I suppose we'll see how it plays out in the next weeks to come. Yeah, yeah, there's a real contrast there between um, Inez and Morales, because um, I mean, besides the fact that Inez is, is Bolivia's first um, female president, you, you see her turn up to what was a, a swearing-in ceremony with this very large ornate bible there were flag burnings of or at least indigenous flag burnings at the same event outside which was sort of ominous because i think she has a history or at least a, a perceived kind of image of not caring or perhaps even being hostile to certain indigenous movements yeah she comes from the conservative party which hasn't historically been that favorable towards the indigenous people of bolivia so if we look at what's happened this week and Nick, what's been some of the response to this resignation of, of Morales and what's been going on this week in Bolivia? There's two issues associated because, I mean, there's almost two protests running concurrently. One that is still sort of attempting to challenge Morales' uh, fourth, uh, fourth term, or at least the fact that he said, uh, sought one. And then many have come out in support of him and have kind of invited his return back to the fold. I'm not sure precisely Morales' position on that. I think he signaled that he was willing to come back if that's what the nation suggested. And I think Janine Inez also said that he was welcome to but must answer or at least be investigated for uh, allegations of fraud. You know, I'm not sure where he will, what his decision about that would be. My guess is he won't go back. It seems too hostile at this point. But it seems like the majority of protests at the moment are now protesting the new the new government or prospecting government. And there's been, you know, all sorts of roadblocks, clashes with police. I'm not sure of the fatalities at this point, perhaps changing day to day. But uh, I don't know if you have any information on that. Yeah, no, not specifically, Nick. But if we look at how the interim government has really been reacting to what we've seen this week, so they've asked some Venezuelan officials to leave the country, and they've also been like, blaming the Cuban government of instigating unrest. So Cuba's actually had to fly home 725 of its citizens, mostly doctors, in response to the Bolivians' concerns that they're stoking unrest, which was quite interesting to me. Media, you've seen um, violent standoffs between coca farmers and police in the region of Cochabamba, which is where Morales has come from. And in response to some of those scenes, you've seen the Bolivian ombudsman come forward and call for an investigation into the use of force by the police there. If we look at yeah. what's been the societal response to that, so many of the unions are coming out as sort of prominent um, groups here. So the biggest federation of labor unions in Bolivia has threatened to come out and on an indefinite strike if there's a failure to restore order. And as well, you've had the Catholic Church come out and call for peace and safety and guarantees from the lawmakers. How that will come about is really quite tricky in terms of you have the Movement for Socialism Party not really engaging with this interim government. And really what needs to happen is someone or something needs to bring these two together in order to allow Bolivia to move forward. In terms of some of the international reaction we've seen, tightening of unrest in Ecuador and Chile, two neighbouring countries to Bolivia. And it sort of raises the broader question of, of whether we can expect this sort of unrest to possibly spread to to other countries in South America. What do you think about that, Nick? Do you think that's a possibility? 
Well, there seems to be this kind of unfortunate trend, uh, at least popping up, that this sort of powder keg waiting to explode in the region. And I mean, Venezuela is kind of was the pressing example for most of the last uh, one or two years. And I don't know how much Bolivia might have been impacted by the destabilization of that nation. But I mean, I just hope that it's not, it doesn't have this kind of cascading effect. And yet there's sort of evidence to suggest that it might. Yeah, look, I, I can't predict how it will affect Ecuador and Chile in the long run, but uh, I suppose time will tell. Mm, and it's it's quite interesting the distinction there between Bolivia and Venezuela, just in terms of how the the power structures work. It was an um, interesting piece of analysis from Julio Borges, who's an exiled opposition leader. And the way in which the military works in Bolivia is they're very much apart from the political class. They're quite. Um, well-paid and professional compared to, say, the Venezuelan system where the two bodies are really quite tied up. So that's why you see in Venezuela perhaps the military are still quite loyal to um, Maduro when it mm. might have been in there when so if a similar situation happened in Bolivia, they might have taken the side of Guaido or have done the similar thing to, to what we see with Morales, where essentially the, the military says, we're no longer going to protect you. Um, this is getting a bit out of control in the streets and we advise you to step down because we think you no longer have the support of the people. So it's quite interesting the distinctions that we see in, in South America between states and the, yeah. the power structures work there. Morales will stay in, in Mexico for quite some time, I believe, just until fresh elections are held. Um, how How... Well, do you think the Socialist Party will be represented in, in the next elections, Nick? I mean, if we have the elections, I, I suppose. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I'm unsure about where the next 90 days will take us anyway, whether protests will die down and whether there can be a dialectic and move forward with an election process or if the military are going to kind of assert itself as it has done, well, as... Militaries, military coups of the past in uh, Latin America have done. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I think that they will need to be represented there because of just the support that they command. You still have these loyalists to Maduro in government in large numbers, and they can really threaten the effectiveness of the interim regime. So I do think there'll need to be some sort of bargaining around there if we're likely to see some sort of ordinary power transition take place. Nick, do you, to what extent do you think outside powers will influence what happens next in Bolivia? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about the extent to which the United States particularly has played a role. I think that sort of, that sort of discussion about you know, US meddling in Latin American affairs is an interesting one. It's sort of played with partisan bias on both sides, so it's hard to sort of pin down the precise extent of its influence. Um, I think Donald Trump came out in support and declared, and there's the uh, legitimate 
Bolivian president. Uh, I don't know whether Russia, which side Russia has come down on. My guess is they're somewhat opposed, although whether they've come out in support directly of Morales, I'm unsure. Yeah, I think it's going to play a large factor. I mean, the US is such a big regional player that having its backing, I mean, the fact that it's already uh, declared and as the legitimate successor, so to speak, is going to have a lot of implications. So it'll be interesting to see whether that's a sort of uh, bargaining chip that can be leveraged in Inez's favour. Yeah, it's quite but, interesting you say that because um, I, I agree with, with what, what you're getting at there. Um, we saw a statement from, from Vladimir Putin earlier in the week saying that a situation has arisen in Bolivia in which there is no authority at all. And he sort of sees the country being on, on the verge of chaos. You see Morales coming out and saying that Arnez's move to replace him is part of the most cunning and disastrous coup in history. And it's quite interesting because we saw one analyst coming out on Al Jazeera talking about that actually there's an argument there that Morales is still the legitimate president of Bolivia because his resignation has not been accepted by the Congress. Given that there was a boycott by his party, they couldn't reach quorum, so they couldn't properly um, move through that process. So it's quite interesting in terms of what will happen next because really for me, for Anes to have effective control over the next three months, you might actually see Morales leading his his followers from from mexico still that's how i i see that playing out is sort of him exercising some sort of control from there whether that be cooperative or whether that be negative in terms of undermining the government the interim government there but moving forward i think if the socialist party are not engaged in these discussions around new elections and, and what needs to happen in order to, to bring the country forward. You mm. can, it's really quite likely that you could see a breakdown in democratic institutions in Bolivia and potentially the return of, of Morales and himself coming back there and, and filling the void that exists should um, Inez not effectively take control. I don't know. What do you think there, Nick? I agree with that. I'd say also conversely, if the Socialist Party wield their power, Bolivian government to stop constitutional bids for Janine Anes to become president, I suspect that you're going to have the same issue. So it's really got to be a, a cooperative give and take uh, negotiation process because it seems, it seems to be on whether they can find a way through it. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm inclined to um, wrap this up with a, a statement from... Julio Aliaga, which really summarizes my thinking around this, and that is, and I quote, the only way to fix this situation is for MAS and Anaz's government to sit down and negotiate. And until this happens, and I, I agree with him here, it will be really hard to calm down the unrest that we see on the streets in, in Bolivia. But hopefully we can see that, that cooperation and have elections called earlier in the new year. Thanks for joining me there, Nick. Really appreciate it. Cheers, mate. And a big thank you to our correspondents for providing valuable research and commentary on this tricky subject. For our Apple Podcast listeners, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. If you have any comments, good or bad, you can send us an email 
admin at theowp.org. I'm Matt Edmondson, and until next time, goodbye.